Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. This morning I want to unpack the heart of our Heavenly Father for greater understanding of His heart toward us. And we sang about it today, we're a child of God. I think sometimes we sing these songs and we read scriptures and we don't fully grasp and understand the heart of God's, His love toward us. And uh, today I'll be providing some examples and characteristics for earthly dads to model. So um, some of us, well let me say it this way, some of us have biological children, some of us don't, but we should all have spiritual children. So uh, we, can, we can be investing in not only our biological children, but those that God brings into our path, across our path, that we can invest in. And uh, some of us have had or have or have had awesome dads. And not everyone has had a good exa- example demonstrated by their dad, by their earthly dad. And we all know that no dad is perfect, but some people have been extremely wounded by their earthly dad. And to some people, when you begin to talk about our Heavenly Father, they can relate that to their earthly father, and it's not a good memory for them. And, and if that's you, if that's any of you watching online or here today, let me say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That is not the heart of the Father. And uh, that does not reflect our Father's heart. And the thing is, earthly fathers can properly replicate the heart of our Heavenly Father. And maybe if, you, if you're a dad and, and you haven't done such a good job, you know, you can start today. And if you need to ask for forgiveness for, from your children, I mean, any of us, right? When, when we come to Christ, we're a new creation, and, and it's a new beginning for us. And, and we can always, each day is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. So I want to I really encourage us as, as leaders, as spiritual mothers and fathers, to take our role seriously because uh, it matters to people. It matters to people's lives. And God has given you influence with people. And are we using that well? Um, we're closing out this series, Revival. We've been talking about revival. And uh, we pray at the property every week, most every week on Wednesdays, if, unless it's raining. And, and you can pray from home. You can join us as we pray for revival in our communities. We're praying for a Jesus revival. So this series has been, I've been teaching on different elements of what a revival is, what it looks like. How do we have a Jesus revival? What does that entail? And so the first week we begin with repent. Revival generally begins with repentance. We see that in the Old Testament when Israel would turn away from God and they would be taken captive and taken into bondage. And then they would begin to cry out to God and God would come and deliver them from their enemies. And then the second week, Pastor Christine taught on engagement, engage. Whenever we repent, there's something that happens with our relationship. Think about it from the physical. When you have a, a, 
a disagreement with somebody, your husband, your wife, your child, your neighbor, whatever. And when, when you can come together and say, look, I'm sorry, there can be a restoration of that relationship. And even more so with our Heavenly Father, when we go to Him and we say, Lord, I repent of these things, and we begin to engage with Him on a different level, which leads us to, some, to sometimes understand our value. Uh, our value is um, understanding our, what, how God values us, and that we are really valuable, that God really does love us. And, and it helps us to understand that God loves other people too. The people that we would write off, maybe, God says, I love them. I desire to have a relationship with them as well. And then investment was the, the, the letter, uh, the word for I. And we talked about seeing and receiving God's investment into our lives. He's given us gifts and talents. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us His anointing so that we can live the abundant life that Jesus came to give. And then we talked about victory. Again, living the abundant life Jesus came to, to give us, that we could be free. Jesus came to set the captives free. And when we're in sin, we're in captivity. We're in bondage. But Jesus came to set us free. And then we talked about authority. Walking in our God-given authority that He has allocated to us. That we have authority. And are we stewarding that authority well? Are we using that authority in a godly manner? And this really prepares us to experience and example God's love. That's the culmination of it. My favorite scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. So my first point this morning is our Heavenly Father specifically created you. You are not a random happenstance. Well, my parents really didn't plan to have another. You know what? God planned. God planned for you to be here. And he created you. He himself created you just like you are. We are spirit beings. We've talked about this. We are spirit beings encased in a, phys in a fleshly, a physical body. One day we will die. This body will die, but our spirit and soul will live on. And our body is subject to our spirit and soul, generally. Uh, it generally responds to the commands received by our spirit and soul, right? So you got up this morning, and your body didn't just drive over here. You made a determination in your soul and your spirit that you were going to come to church today or that you were going to watch online. And so our, we, we know that our spirit man will live on forever, and so when we're talking about being created by God, God knew us before we had a physical body. So we're in this series, Revival, and today I'm talking about love. I want to go to Psalm 139, 13, and 14, and I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. Normally, I teach out of the New Living Translation. Uh, the New American Standard Bible is written in Old English. So if you're not familiar with Old English, it can be a little hard to understand. But I wanted to, to look at these in this version. Um, David writes, For thou didst form my inward parts. Okay, we don't talk like that. Thou means you. Didst means did. So uh, we could, in modern English, it would be, For you did form my inward parts. Thou didst, you did, weave me in my mother's womb. 
So when we think about the scripture, God fashioned us, God created us, but he, he was involved in putting us together. The, verse 14 says, I will give thanks to thee, you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Have you ever heard that phrase? You've heard somebody say, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and have you ever thought, well, I'm not sure what that means? Uh, let me read all the scripture. I give thanks to to thee, to you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, your works, and my soul knows it very well. And so David was understanding how complex we are. Let me, let me define these words fearfully for you. The Greek word for fearfully can mean fear. It can mean being afraid. It can also mean reverence or respect. And so I think that's the, the, the reference here that we were created respectfully or, or reverently. Um, this Greek word for wonderful means great. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And so this word wonderful means great. It can mean difficult as well. It can also mean uh, wonderful and marvelous. Wonderful and marvelous can still be difficult to understand. Let me give you an example. My wife is wonderful and marvelous. Sometimes our communication is a little hard to understand. But I don't think that's really what David is talking about here. He's talking about understanding the complexity and how wonderfully God has knit us together. Look around this room. You see, everybody looks differently. Everybody has a different personality. You can go to the mall or someplace and you see maybe hundreds of people walking by and even if you happen to have the rare experience of seeing two identical twins or identical triplets or something like that that happened to look alike you wouldn't see anybody else that looked like like one another and certainly when you look at their personalities how they process things their giftings and talents they're all different and so to understand that we were uniquely created by God, I want us to understand that. There's, there's no point in trying to be somebody else or something else. Just be who God created you. Let's look at this, the same passage in the NLT. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Think about your brain. Think about your heart, your lungs. Think about... How many multiple reactions are taking place in our bodies simultaneously? We are, we are wonderfully, marvelously made. And so uh, he goes on to write here, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You are wonderfully, uniquely, intricately designed and fashioned by God. God designed you. And then he fashioned you. He put you together. He gave you the, the color of eyes that you have, the color of skin that you have, your body type. God the Father has taken great care in creating you. He didn't just randomly put you together. You weren't just tissue in the womb. God fashioned you and designed you. And he did that because he loves you, because he wanted you to be the individual that he created you to be. I know that we're seeing a lot of things today in our culture, and when, when someone attempts to change their God-given gender, I think that's a slap in the face to God. He created us to be 
who and what we are. And it doesn't matter if we try to change that intrinsically, internally. We're still that same person that he created, regardless of if we change our hairstyle, diet, whatever, put on a dress, not put on a dress. We're still who God made us to be. And when we live according to God's owner's manual, according to his word, we walk in sync in his purpose, his perfect purpose and plan and destiny that he created us for, that he created us to be. Now, I want to go to Jeremiah 1, 5. The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah, and this is relevant for us as well. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. The Lord knew Jeremiah before his conception. He knew his gender, his personality, everything that Jeremiah was created for and called to be and to do. Let's read on. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So God had a purpose and plan before he even formed Jeremiah in the womb. God made you his masterpiece. We've talked about this, Ephesians 2.10. You are his masterpiece. James 1.18. We are his prized possession. I think somebody, I think probably everybody needs to hear this today, that God created you uniquely to be you. The Lord has given you very specific gifts, talents, your personality. So my first point is our Heavenly Father specifically created you. My second point is our Heavenly Father loves you greatly. I want to pause here for a moment as we think about when, if you create, if you take time to create something, you have, you place value on that. You have care for it. And so think about that this week. When you're going through this week and you're saying, wow, God created me. He loves me that much. He created me just like I am. So in six, around 60 AD, Paul writes from prison to believers in Ephesus, and then this letter was passed on to other churches. So let's go to Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So the Lord has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And the reason, why did he do that? Because we are united with Christ. We are connected with him. Christ is central to our relationship with God. Without Christ, we are unable to have a fulfilling, authentic, deep relationship with our Heavenly Father. He is the connecting point. And every week you come here, we talk about this relationship with the Lord. Because that's what matters most of everything in our life is our relationship with him. Ephesians 1.4 uh, says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That was his purpose, his plan and desire to always be in relationship with us. It started in the beginning, and even though Adam and Eve messed that up, it didn't change God's purpose or plan or desire for us to be in intimate, personal relationship with him. 
God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Somebody posted recently in uh, Zephaniah where it says he sings over us. He rejoices over us with singing. That's how our Heavenly Father sees us. It gave him great pleasure to create us and to bring us into the family of God. God designed us to be in his family and in an intimate relationship with him. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So I know we know this, but let me read on. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So this, this year we're reading the Proverbs, one chapter a day, whatever the date is. And when you, what we find in Proverbs is there's abundant knowledge and wisdom. God says, I want you to have knowledge. I want you to have wisdom. I want you to ha- have understanding. I want you to understand how much I love you. I want you to understand how valuable our relationship is and how much I love not only you but, but the people in the world around us. Our Heavenly Father specifically created you. Our Heavenly Father loves you greatly. My third point is a father's love is vital for a healthy family. Men, you are the leaders of the family. You're the leaders of the home. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of men that have failed in their responsibilities to lead the family, to lead the home. Authentic relationships are built on love, trust, and authenticity without fear authentic relationships are built on love trust and authenticity without fear uh, I had a, a really good dad and August the 9th of this year will be his 30th anniversary in heaven and and I miss him uh, but I'm thankful I'm thankful for the dad that I had. He was exceptional. And I've heard many stories of other people's dads, and I realized how extremely blessed I was to have the the dad that I had. Uh, I never saw my dad drunk. On rare occasion, I'd see him drink a beer, maybe two. I never saw my dad drunk. He was never abusive, physically, emotionally, verbally, anything. And now, this is, this is something amazing that is miraculous. It's hard to believe. But I ne- my, my parents were married 35 years. We got married on their 35th anniversary. And my dad, uh, he had a stroke, and he passed away like 10 years later. So in the 45 years my parents were together, I never, not once, saw or heard them argue. Is that possible? <laughs> it doesn't even sound possible. But I never heard them argue or, or fight or saw an argument. And looking back, I was thinking about this last night. For a while, my dad was a carpenter. And I was thinking, wow, my dad displayed a lot of the char- characteristics of another carpenter we've heard about. His name is Jesus. 
But my dad helped to develop character in my life. Honesty, integrity, respect, to take responsibility, obedience, something that is not very common in the world today, common sense. (laughs) He taught me about having common sense, uh, how to problem solve, stewardship. He taught me about stewardship, how to be resourceful, how to build and repair things. He was creative, and he always had a desire to learn and grow, and that, that's something that I, I desire as well. I love to learn. Um, I want to give you some examples today regarding my dad. and uh, The local college in Corpus Christi, Del Mar College, was expanding and so they bought up this, all the houses in the subdivision. And my parents had bought a couple acres out in the country. So they, they bought a house. Uh, they would have people bid on these houses. And, and they got a house for probably pennies on a dollar stewardship. Uh, also, he, he liked to tinker. And he, had, uh, a lot of, he did a lot of arts and crafts stuff. And so he always wanted to have a, a workshop. Well, on this house that they purchased, there was also a car and a half garage. And he literally took a, a marker and marked all the boards in that garage with letters and numbers. He and I, mostly he, dismantled that entire building, and he had like a 4 by 8 trailer with sides on it and took everything apart, loaded it on that trailer, and carted all of those pieces 30 miles one way to the property that we had. He poured a slab, and he re-erected that building. So there's a lot of lessons here in this story. There's stewardship. There was training for me. He had, uh, we would even take the nails out. Um, You know, you can pull out nails with a claw hammer, but if the nail is flush against the board or if it's a little further driven in, he had this thing, we called it the nail puller. And so it had these claws on it like, like this, and it had a handle with a weight. And so what you could do is you, you would open up those claws, and you would put it above and below the nail head, and as you would kind of pound on that, it would drive those claws into the surface of the, the wood, and then as you pulled down on it, it would clamp on the nail head, and you could pull those nails out. Now, when the nail would come out, it would be bent, and you can't nail a bent, wood, uh, a bent nail into wood. So I got to be an expert at straightening nails. <laughs> and the way you straighten a nail is you put it on a piece of concrete with the, you know, it's bent like this. So with the hump up, you grab the head of the nail, and you take a hammer, and you tap on it until you straighten it out. I am an expert. I did hundreds, probably thousands of nails. So what's the story in this? He was a good steward. He took all of these things. Most people wouldn't take the time to do that. But there's no telling how much money he saved by doing these kinds of things. He was supportive of me in sports. And I remember I played Little League Baseball. And there was Prep League, Minor League, and Major League. And I think the age group was like 6, 7, 8. And then in the Prep League. And then in the Minor League, it was like 8, 9, and 10. And then in the major league, it was 11 and 12 primarily. And I think the major league teams could have a 10-year-old, maybe two 10-year-olds on their team. 
And so I was in the minor league, and my dad was the head coach. And uh, he, I had a really good game one day, and uh, one of the, the major league coaches came to my dad and said, hey, we'd like to draft or we'd like to promote Mark up into the, uh, the, the majors. And I was 10 years old. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but there's quite a bit of difference between a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. 12-year-olds are bigger, they're stronger, they throw the ball harder and faster. <laughs> and my, so my dad came to me and he said, son, uh, the Major League Tigers, they want to draft you. And uh, I'm giving you this information and it's up to you to make your decision. I'll support you if you want to stay on, on this team you're on or if you want to go. I know you can do it. I know you're able. He said, think about it and let me know. So I thought about it for a couple of days. I said, but Dad, you're, you, you wouldn't be my coach. I would be leaving you. And he said, that would, be, that would be correct, but it's okay. He said, it's your decision. And I said, well, I think I want to go up to the next level. And so I did, and, and I did well at that. And the next year, I think he was a coach on my team. But here's the, the story in this. He was training me for greater, for more. So are we training our children? Are we training our, our biological children, our spiritual children? Are we training them for more? Are we preparing them? Or do we want them to just stay where they are? I've heard mothers say, oh, I love my child right, right at the age they are. I wish they would just stay here. But they're not. And so our role is to train them and prepare them for more, for greater. Uh, most of you know I'm, I'm a drummer. And uh, they always, well, let me, let me change that. I was going to say they always supported me in everything I wanted to do. That's not true. I was a teenager. They didn't always support me in everything I wanted to do. But they bought my first three drum sets. And as I mentioned, we lived out in the country. And they moved this house out and then they built on, you know, probably three two and a half times as much as what they moved out there. But my bedroom was on the very end of the house for a very good reason. <laughs> and I can remember uh, sitting in my room playing my drums for hours. Hours. I mean, I know there were times like on a Saturday, I'd be in there playing my drums for like eight hours. And I can go into Guitar Center, into the drum section, and after about 15 minutes, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I, I don't know how you guys handle this. All this banging and crashing and, and all this noise. But they, they supported me in the things that I wanted to do, whether it be baseball or music. And, uh, and most everything that I wanted to do. And so a father's role is to lead in love, to protect, to provide to provide for and prepare their children to become godly adults. And so through many of these stories that I'm sharing today, there's elements of the characteristics that were being developed in my life. Integrity, honesty, stewardship, problem solving. As a dad, whether it's a spiritual dad or a biological dad, we have, that's, that's what we need to be doing, dads. And moms, it's, this is relevant for you too because you have a role in that. 
Part of leading is to encourage and to train and equip and release and continue to train and equip. And you know what it's like to train somebody? It takes a lot longer to train somebody than just do it yourself. But my dad took the time to instill some things in me and train me that I could be released. Once I learned how to straighten nails, I could go for it. Hundreds of them, probably thousands of them. Proverbs 22.6 is a familiar pass, uh, proverb. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I didn't always stay on the right path, but I always had a reference point knowing where to come back to. And if we don't instill godliness into our children, if we don't teach them about the Lord, if we don't bring them to church, if we don't example, how are they ever going to have a reference point? And I think today more than ever, we see young people that are confused, lost, desperate, not just young people, all people. There's a sound that I can still hear in my mind and if you've ever heard this, you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about. When your dad un unbuckles his belt and he pulls that through the, the belt loops, that's a sound like no other sound, and that's a sound where you go, oh, snap, this is getting serious now. And I remember hearing that sound, and I got spanked a few times, probably a lot less than what I needed to be or deserved to be. But my dad disciplined me. He never beat me. He never abused me. And, uh, you know, the word says, the proverb, one of the proverbs says, if you uh, spare the rod, you spoil the child. We need discipline every once in a while. And I'm not talking about abusive beating of people and things like that. But I'm talking about loving one another enough to discipline. The, the Lord loves us enough. He says, you're not a bastard child if I discipline you. You're not a fatherless child if I discipline you. And so he loves us enough to discipline us. And it's not that my dad grew up in a, in a perfect home. He told me one time that his mom, when she would get mad, my grandmother, would grab whatever was closest, and that's what she would beat him with. could be a lamp or, you know, God only knows what. So my dad was not brought up that way, but, but he had a relationship with the Lord. Okay, so we talked about Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. So you give them a reference point. Interestingly enough, the next proverb says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. That's clearly talking about money. But it's also talking about stewardship. Are we stewarding well what God has given us? Are we teaching others? good stewardship. In the fall, we plan to have a, a life group uh, on financial stewardship that Barb has been teaching. I think, I, well, let me say it this way, I would like every one of us to go through that class to, to learn to be better stewards. Maybe you, maybe you already are implementing all the things that that class teaches, but it will reinforce some things that you can teach others because i 
there are a lot of people that are not stewarding well their finances, and finances are the number one reason for divorce. And so are we training up our children to, to learn how to steward their resources, not just the money, but their life, the giftings and the callings that God has given them? Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 2, 16-17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing that you do and say. I've come to realize even the good things I do and say, most of those, if not all of those, are driven by the Lord. Go help this person out. Go give this person $100. That's not me. I'm just sensitive to what the Lord is doing. And the Lord is speaking to us, and he's giving us direction. Are we following him? Are we yielding to him? Are we doing the good things that that the Lord wants us to do? Are we training up our children and grandchildren and investing in the lives of the people that God has placed in our lives? Are we... Are we training them? 1 John 4, 7 through 8, and then 18 through 21. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When we look at these scriptures, we need to understand that The character of God is love. He not only loves, but he is love. That's part of his being. That's part of who he is. Skip down to verse 18, 1 John 4, 18. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Some versions say perfect love casts out all fear. Because there's great trust in healthy relationships, there should be no fear. Those relationships are probably pretty rare in, in our daily walk. Because, oh, if I tell my wife this, she's going to get upset. If I, if I tell my husband I did that, if I tell my friend this, they may think differently, differently about me. So many of our relationships have fear as part of that, that dynamic of the relationship. But there's, there, there should be no fear. Um, another example, I felt comfortable telling my dad, things that could get me into big trouble. <laughs> I can still see in my mind's eye, one day we were out in the backyard, and I said, Dad, I want to tell you something. I said, I don't know what your response is going to be. You may want to kick me out of the house. You may disown me. And when I said that, I sincerely did not know how he was going to react. And uh, I said, Dad, I've smoked marijuana before. (laughs) And his responses surprised me. He said, yeah, I know. I'm like, how did he know that? But dads know some stuff, okay? And and then his, his next comment surprised me even more. He said, son, if I were your age, I probably would have tried it too. What was happening here? It was honesty. Vulnerability. Trust. 
that was not built over a day or a conversation, but over a lifetime. And he said, son, I'd like for you to promise me that you won't smoke it anymore. I said, dad, I can't make you that promise. And he respected that. He honored that because he honored the honesty and the relationship. And I think he took it to his heavenly father and said, Father, what do I do with this? How do I handle this? But that day, that relationship solidified something between us on a deeper level. That's how your Heavenly Father wants to relate to you. He knows what you do anyway. But can you be honest enough with yourself? Can you be honest enough with Him to say, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. I, I can't make you promises that I can't keep, but I'm willing to yield to you. I'm willing to try. The Lord desires an honest, authentic, fearless relationship with you. And dads raising our children, our spiritual tr- children, we need to have that kind of relationship. Listen, it, it, it doesn't mean that we never uh, address things, but we address things in love. Why? Because we care. Because we want to have this intimate, personal relationship an authentic relationship without fear. But sometimes a father needs to take that belt off and give us a little spanking. Sometimes we need some correction. 1 John 4.18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Is our relationship with God based on fear? Or is it based on love? Is it authentic? Is it honest? Is it real? Fear of being honest is an indication of a lack of trust. Do you trust God? I know that in my own life, that's, that's an ongoing process where I begin to trust God on a deeper level. I don't always understand everything going on, but as I've shared with you many times recently, I, I was praying about something, and I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed on this. And he's, it's like the Holy Spirit said, Son, I'm working behind the scenes. Don't worry about it. I'm taking care of you. I'm taking care of the situation. We sing this song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel like it, you're working, God. And so God is building our trust. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Jude 1-2 says, May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So my first point this morning is, 
Our Heavenly Father specifically created you. My second point is our Heavenly Father loves you greatly. It's probably the most important point that I can make today. Just that the Lord loves you greatly. A father's love, our responsibility as fathers is vital for a healthy family. Let's share a couple more things with you, dads. Most likely your daughters will look for a man like you. Most likely your daughter will look for a man like you. Are you okay with that? (laughs) Kind of a sobering thought. Your sons will probably follow your examples. You good with that? Everyone will leave a lasting impact behind. Every one of us. Positive, some positive, some negative. What will you leave for the generations who follow? What will you leave for the generations who follow?